This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chat. My name is Brian Searle, here, as always, with uh, normally Kara Sismadia. i got to really correct myself, Doug, when I start saying that, because Kara is coming, hopefully, to the show, but she's in a meeting right now and got stuck. Uh, but super excited to have you guys here. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks. Uh, we've got uh, Mr. Doug Parker, who is uh, hopefully a recurring guest with us at least once a month here. He runs currentcamper.com, also uh, a long-standing blogger in the cruise industry, so just bought a rig during the pandemic. He's got lend us his insight, getting into the business, traveling, doing some of, the, some of those kinds of things. Uh, and then we got Mr. Stephen Dietrich. Is that right, Stephen? Yep, yep. All right, Stephen and Garrett Brown, who are joining us here to talk about their respective companies, uh, a little bit of RV rental dabbling uh, and some electric electric, or does it just have a barbecue wheel attachment? Or are you guys in a an electric option, yes. Okay, very cool. So, Gary, why don't you start telling us about your uh, your cool little uh, your trailer barbecue thing that you have? Because I'll butcher it, and we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you Yeah, so my name is Garrett Brown. I'm with uh, eVenture Life. We are a trailer manufacturer. It uh, all started a few years ago, actually, as a small little tailgater. We had a really unique concept for it where we have our frame and everything behind the front compartment actually splits open into a piece creating a really unique layout. Something we always consider to be a tiny issue in the RV world is you're living in a hallway. We, with our split frame opening up and our event pod attachment, you actually get to sleep and hang out in a really hexagonal 13 by 13 tent that attaches to the trailer. It comes with cool. an electric option for television or air conditioning. I mean, a little plug and play stuff like that you'd want to do. The grill is a part of it. That was another thing we saw. I said, how come everything's just a tiny little two burner grill. So we went out and bought a four foot uh, burner event grill griddle combo. It's actually a uh, Cabela's outfitted grill that we've retrofit into the trailer that slides in and out of the front frame. And then opposite of that okay. is a prep station for your glamping hangouts. You can throw some, uh, we've got some cool little uh, pans that come out and throw some ice in, chill your champagne, chill your drinks. And underneath that is storage for a large cooler. And then we also provide a water container for a, uh, the people that do choose to go off grid with it. Awesome. I want to take a look at this in a few minutes. We're going to see if we maybe pull up the website and give people some visuals and things like that. Steven, introduce yourself real quick though, before we get started. Sure. Hey everyone. Um, I'm the founder of vancation.com. So we are a boutique peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for camper van rentals. We also do some of the overland rentals, unique RVs behind but primarily camper van class b is our focus we're just launching our renter side this month after coming out of development from 18 months ago we started probably so we built a pretty cool system and we have around 1100 listings currently on the platform all around the country probably mostly west coast it's more popular we're seeing people out in chattanooga with van life and it's really spreading around so yeah thanks for having me on the show um yeah I appreciate you coming, Stephen and Garrett too. We're going to have a, these are two topics that really fascinate me. RV rentals as a kind of industry, probably, is it safe to say they didn't, like they existed, but they didn't really exist in the mass mind of consumers pre three, four years ago. Is that fair to say? You guys, the T1Ns were before this. Now it's becoming more mainstream for sure, especially since pandemic started. So Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how. It's become a second, and to be fair, like Airbnb, I don't know how long they've been around, probably only seven, eight years, really in the mainstream there. And so it's interesting how these new industries are popping up, not obviously as a result of COVID in Airbnb's case, but just driving more consumer awareness and ways for different people to make money. So I definitely am interested to explore that topic. And then these innovations that are coming out of the industry, obviously there's always been the big manufacturers with trailers and rigs and RVs and all those kinds of things who are adding new features and smart technology and more pullouts and sofas and cramming more luxurious items into there. But it's these really small manufacturers like you, Garrett, not to call you small, but 
niche is what I really mean, who are innovating in new ways that you're seeing a problem, taking it, troubleshooting it and fixing it, which really interests me is there's more of a, there's a larger market, but we're seeing it break off into these niches. And I admittedly don't know as much as I should about RV manufacturing and things like that. It's something I'm more close to the campground industry side of things, but I'm definitely excited to learn about. What are you, let's start with you, Garrett. What, and you talked a little bit about the features and things like that of your trailer. We'll pull that up in a second to take a look at it. But what are some of the, the reasons that you got into this to the beginning with? How long have you been in it? So what made you get into it in the first place? Those kinds of things. So I got into the RV industry, I believe it was, I was like 2017, 2018 maybe. And what it was just fine from uh, Southern Iowa. We had an RV startup show up a few towns over. I applied for a job and I actually worked there for a few years. I ended up holding a pretty, worked pretty high up in the company. Be there for a little myself and uh, my two other partners actually decided we were going to try and do it our own way with our own product. And so we left and started eVenture Trailers like a day before COVID happened, I think is what it was. It was seriously like, and we signed the LLC the, the next day was the, the big mall that said, that was interesting. Did you, obviously we all know in hindsight now that is as much as we were panicking at the beginning of COVID, it seemed to turn out really well for the outdoor hospitality industry, campgrounds, RVs, those kinds of things. What was going through your mind that day? Like when you just signed it and now this is happening. I didn't really think much of it other than I what became the issue was also I do want to say the first model that we went to the market with is nothing like this new model that we debuted, Okay, but it was the initial sales plan. Let's say we're just going to drive this around and show people face to face and nobody was letting anybody in. So we did, I had to do a lot of stuff through emails and phone calls. That was probably the biggest challenge. That's an, so you bring up an interesting thing. I'll follow up on it with when you say driving the door to show people as a smaller niche manufacturer who's just getting into this, when you're talking about it a couple of years ago. How do you do that? How do you break into, if there are other people who want to do these kinds of similar things, how do you break into that? Getting it at dealerships? Are you trying Man, to do I, that? I are you trying was, to? I think it was just kind of an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. We just, we didn't really think about it. It was just, Hey, we're building these. We have these to sell. Let's go sell them. And that would, so yeah, it was just something like I said, once we found out that nobody was accepting on-site visitors, it was just, uh, basically cold calling. We search uh, dealerships on the internet who maybe would carry something to us and we'd call them and pitch them and show them product and initiate stations there. We still do it that, that way a little bit too. We have been fortunate uh, since the new model was released that people are contacting us now, which is awesome in its own, but the thing was just adapt and overcome was the mindset behind it. Now, I know you, you came from experience, as you said, working for another company. Is there a, is there a, do you have to have these things certified? Is there a whole lot of, like a legal process to go through where you have to make sure that specific guidelines yeah, are yeah. followed when you're building them? Yeah, we had, uh, I can't even remember all the names of all the stuff that we had to go through and get, get approved for, but that was a big part. And we really, we didn't know as much as we thought about the RV industry when we started this. So we have learned a lot in the last two years. There are a lot of rules to follow, a lot of certificates to have, things like that. But I think it's only made us stronger and I really do support that the industry does it because it does uh, make sense. Steven, are some of these, I don't know if you've seen Garrett's units and we'll show them in a second here, but Steven, are these yeah, some of the yeah. types of things that would be listed on vacation or? Are you focused solely on camper vans? Are you open to other things or tell us a little bit about what you list and what can. Yeah. As long as you can sleep in it and it's unique and cool. That's what we're going for. Hey, I could be. What's, what's the definition of unique and cool? I feel like I'm old and I don't know what cool is anymore. So. We're trying to, if we were just to accept class C, class A, some of those more classic style RVs, I feel like our brand wouldn't have anything unique enough going for it with monsters out okay. there currently in, in the place in the marketplace we're trying to focus on camper vans especially obviously that's the big one right now and then yeah unique schoolies that kind of thing overland jeeps with tents like all that kind of fun stuff brings Steve, a different kind I, of rent on some of those camper vans do they come hitches are they able to tow stuff yeah one of mine has a hitch i don't have a boat yet but i'll be that guy going to the lake with it the boat behind here in tahoe <laughs> So, hey, for sure. That's awesome. I'd be uh, happy to show you the coolest tow behind outdoor event hub for those camper vans when we get off this call here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you're not biased. I don't hear it. No, just confident. 
<laughs> Go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, I forgot what I was saying. One of the features is uh, owners can block or, or allow tailgating or going to events. Most of them are cool with it. They're pretty relaxed on things like that. Yeah, tailgate there. So now here's a question, and maybe Doug, you can pipe in here. Like you, you went through this process of purchasing. Uh, I forget what kind of trailer do you have, Doug? That you bought? It's a travel, <clears throat> excuse me, a travel light. I think 23 foot bunkhouse. I think it's called. Okay. So from a mind of a consumer's perspective, and maybe you want to just speculate on this, Doug, like when you were going to purchase your rig, being new to the industry, things like that, obviously you probably went to dealers and maybe this is a conversation we can all have together uh, that eventually lead to, to unique RV rentals. If I'm a consumer and I'm used to the buying cars my whole life and trucks, I'm going to dealers and things like that, and I'm getting into the industry or I'm going to buy a new rig, why would I want to look for a unique camper van that Garrett sells? Why would I want to do the rental experience versus doing, like, how does that mind shift from a consumer perspective to do, I, I like a Tesla's, right? Aren't sold at dealerships. How do I shift that consumer perspective to, I can look different places instead of just where everybody says I should look. For me, it was just, I wanted something that looked really cool with my truck as well, like a dark color, kind of aerodynamic and all of that. So I started at Camping World and then went to those small mom and pop places. And I finally bought it at a mom and pop place as well. So I don't know, for me, it was just style and what I wanted it for, like uh, Glacier National and Yellowstone, Utah camping and stuff like that out West. And so that's the reason why I picked what I picked. And I started using Camping World as a baseline and then just went out and explored everyone, everything from someone on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist to the small mom and pops. I just went that route, as I said. So Steve, Steven and Garrett, let's toss it to more of your kind of niche, right? Like that, you, obviously you have an RV rental site that's more of a niche for camper vans. Garrett, you're making the niche product. How do I reach out to the consumers from your perspective? And I feel like there's some cross here, right? And say, you don't need to go to the camper world. So look what I have. This is better or different or unique or cool or whatever it is. How do I reach those consumers and tell them those things? So I actually, we're working on our phase 2.5, whatever it's, whatever you want to call it. It's a van builder marketplace. So indie builders are really huge in the van marketplace. We're going to have an Airbnb style uh, website that will be able to find top van builders in Reno or whatever city it is. And it's all free. Van builders can sign up free and you can obviously browse and contact owners or excuse me, builders for free. So that'd be one really awesome way to, to find builders specifically. Google doesn't do the best job so far, probably will in five years, but for now that leaves a good opening. So that's one that we're doing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, any ideas? Well, I, Steven, I think what you guys are doing, I think that's awesome. On, on our end, the more, the merrier. One thing that I do think is nice about having a brick and mortar location is the end consumer can actually go in and see the product. And there's a lot of manufactured right now, and it does, I think, come down a lot the quality when customers are making their choice of being able to touch it, feel it, or have access to, like Steve was saying, if I could look up a van builder that's 20 miles away from me and I can go over there and see everything by myself and see the quality and how it's put together, I think that is absolutely huge for the end consumer. Yeah. And what's cool is because we're a, we're a rental site first, obviously that's, we make a small transaction fee on the renter side. We're free for owner side for transactions, which is the first, but if you go to a van builder's profile. The plan is you'll be able to see all the rentals available that were built by that builder. You'll also eventually be able to see all the listings for sale that were built by that owner as well. So it's like a free portfolio for them. So that's what Vancation Project is going to progress to over the next year here. And a lot of it's already live here. So, awesome. Yeah. Steven, for on your, on your site on uh Vancation, like what separates vacation from an RV share because I just bought a second camper to rent out and I did it once an RV share and it was a pain in the butt man people they brought it back and of course they don't treat it like it's their own anyways bring it back mm -hmm. a disaster and not emptying the tanks and all that stuff like what's the big or what would, would like 18 foot off the road unit even be like be able to be listed on your site or is it just for like vans and stuff like that no definitely that would be a part of it we're really just trying to close off class C, class A for the time being, unless you have a large, we work with a lot of fleets, so we might accept a few if they're part of a large fleet only. Gotcha. But um, yeah, our owner side fees are a lot lower. We've been signing people up with 0% fees actually, 
Uh, we're going to move that to 8% at the top end once we go live for renters this month. Other than that, it's just more streamlined. You can e-sign all the contracts. There's a document management system in your owner dashboard. We do all the same vetting, but you will have issues with renters. I can't prevent that entirely. We do our background checks automatically, a credit check, DMV checks on the renters, ID verification. Like all the systems are in place for it. Sure. Yeah, that's a decision you need to make. I'm in an RV right now in my own camper van that we built. I don't think I would rent this personally. This one, yeah. our baby and our new baby that's coming will be sitting in this seat. <laughs> so... It's like a personal decision. A lot of people are making some pretty decent side income off of it though. So it's your own choice. Sorry guys. I don't know if you can hear me. My dog just ran underneath the cord and disconnected my microphone, but I'm having all kinds of techno issues today. This is what happens when I go on vacation and come back in 45 minutes before the show. But let, so rental specifically, right? Uh, let's talk like our primary owner or primary audience here for this show is campground owners, developers, people like that in the outdoor hospitality industry, RV industry, things like that. So if you are a, do you, do you guys work primarily, and maybe this question is to Steven first, do you guys work primarily with people who are looking to camp off-grid in the vans or go to private campgrounds in tourist areas, or is it a mix of both? It's definitely a mix of both. I'd say boondocking is a little bit more popular with van life. That's like kind of the big perk of it, especially because these days it's hard to get a spot at a campground. Things are booked out. You might get a last minute kind of thing and it'll be a day in this spot and two days in that one i don't know yeah i guess it's a mix and um, it's hard to say i'm not really sure is there a benefit to a company like yours working with the private campground industry to help people find spots or is it kind of one of those things where you'd rather have a hands-off approach definitely we're talking to i'll just do a quick shout out for them they're banley's one obviously hip camp you refer them to them there's a few other, like the dirt and so on that you can find blm land and so on they have a nice app where they integrated it all pretty clean for finding where to camp for free and so on. And we're also working on our own, our itineraries. So if you land in, I don't know, Reno, where to camp around the Tahoe basin and things like that, we're doing all the popular cities. So that's another like little side content project that we're working with. That's yeah. We'll definitely have to start partnering up with some of the campground specific companies because that's half the battle, right? Like where to stay. Yeah. Do you think there's, I feel like there's a mutual opportunity here. And I would say the same thing to an outdoorsy or an RV share or the bigger companies to provide a niche type experience. There are obviously people who there are good opportunities for people to go camping in BLM land. Sometimes it's better to be in a national park or a state park, depending on what you want to see. But there are also a lot of benefits to being in private campgrounds, depending on where you're going and what amenities you want. And are you traveling with a family or a new baby in your case? And, and maybe you want something uh, that's different than somebody who doesn't have a family to travel with. So I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of unique opportunities here as you continue to grow and, and, and evolve uh, to cross promote each other. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Garrett. Tell us about this barbecue thing. Like I want to pull up, actually, I want to pull up your website. What's your website, Garrett? Pardon my uh, closeness to the camera here. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to I want to check out this cool little barbecue attachment that you have. Let's see. Let's see. Eventually, oh, it's, it's a standard built into the every trailer. Lamping eventure. Is this what we're looking at right here, or is it? We All right, eventure life. I'm gonna share this. Sorry, this is what I'm looking at right here. That's us. And actually that's our temporary website or next, we have one going live this weekend that we just doctored up and showed some more photos on. Uh, so that is Where the reader. This so that is, that is what we call the event pod. And that is actually not the actual event pod. That is just to simulate what it is. The actual event pod will launch this weekend, uh, which is similar 13 by 13 hexagon structure. Uh, we just built it much tougher because some guy told us that it wouldn't withstand a Florida windstorm and we had to prove him wrong. It is a solid unit now. So that's the rear trailer. You can see here, you got the TV attachment. You got your T it's a, it's on a slider. So it slides up and down um, underneath it is the power pack for the electric that is running completely off of the electric right there, which is solar powered. You can charge it when you choose. So you can also charge it, just plug it in and charge it up somewhere. There are luxury cushions on both seating. And then in the evening, you can actually close the wings together and it will form the dimensions of a queen bed for you and the kids. Then get a good night's rest while you're out uh, camping. And then during the day you open it up and you almost have like a fun little hangout. The, in this current picture, there are the mesh sidewalls. It also comes with solid sidewalls for the, for when you're actually using it as a tent and want your privacy while you're going to bed. 
Okay, so this is way cooler than I had pictured in my head. Like, uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around this now. So this, these couches that we're looking at are actually the trailer, and they yes, fold together yeah. for a queen. You are looking I, at. What, I want one of these. Can I have one? I'm we kidding, will talk afterwards. We'd be happy to get you one. I don't know where I'd park it, but that's fantastic. Like, look at. So they're okay. This is cool, Doug. Wouldn't this be cool to go tailgating in? Like you would have just talked the show. Yeah, I was just thinking that's perfect for going to a Kenny Chesney concert or Buffett or Garth Brooks at a stadium or something. And so I'm really glad you guys are saying this. That is our whole purpose. Like I said, when we left, uh, my partners and I left our last company, our biggest thing was we were seeing a lot of people spending decent amounts of money for things that they would only get to use maybe five weekends out of the year because they love camping. Everybody's busy and things always come up and you really kind of got to square away that time to take that weekend off and go camping. So we were like, what if you're camping with it one weekend and you can tailgate with it the next? And you know, the, we think there's a huge market for uh, little youth parents. We think these things would be great set up at the, the two day weekend softball tournaments away from home. There's a cool little spot to hang out at in between games. A lot of, a lot of applications. I, I know I'm thinking like, okay, from a private campground perspective, right? What if I were to purchase these as a campground owner and set them up as even little gazebos where people could sit during the day and play cards or I don't know. Yeah, obviously you could rent them out as accommodations too. And actually, if you want to keep scrolling, I can show you the front side of the grills or the front side of the Like grill. I'm already fascinated by one picture. Like and that's the trailer fully enclosed. Lightweight. You can pull it with a Jeep. Super small. Oh yeah, under 1,500 pounds. Grill is sweet. That's the grill slide out right there. Cooked for an army on it. And then I don't remember what other pictures we have up just yet. Like I said, we have a bunch of new ones that we're going to be showing this weekend. There's your, how we hooked up our Margaritaville blender up top thing. Oh, well, that's important. Yeah. And then underneath the prep station is a, well, you can't really see it, but that's where your cooler slide is. So you pull that out and you can set in a big old cooler in there and then it also comes with a five quarts of water container for if you're really getting far and away from your resources. I will admit my imagination is tends to run away with me sometimes and it gets me in trouble, especially when I propose things to campground owners that they just look at me like, have you ever owned a campground before? That would never work, but this would be cool. Like to, to you could even almost sell refreshments out of it or something near the pool, like without having a permanent structure. Whatever they can, and in, my, in terms of its weight, you pull this thing around with a little a, a UTV. So you don't want for a campground owner, if they don't have to worry about hooking up trucks, they can just throw it on a four wheeler and move it around, set it up wherever they So I'm thinking about like some of the larger resorts we work with are, are like, they'll rent out the gazebos by the pool and sometimes mm -hmm. they'll be inside the pool fence. And the ones that I've seen, admittedly, there's probably more elaborate ones that I haven't, but the ones that I've seen are just like you see at the water park resorts where you'll go in and there's just like a little couch and some tables there. And that's really all it is. And admittedly, you couldn't really put these inside of a pool fence, but if you put them near your pool, I, I imagine that there would be people who would rent these out for six, seven families in some cases, and then they could bring their refreshments down to the pool and hang out all day and they could have shade to get out of the sun for their kids so they wouldn't get burnt and they could maybe not have margaritas that might not be such a good idea around the pool, but they could cook out and things like that. You could probably rent these. Like I remember renting the tents for a hundred plus $200 a day. In addition to whatever I wanted at a resort, this would be, might be an interesting source of income. How much do they cost? So we have a base model. Well, MSRP anywhere between 13 or 14, and then a fully loaded setup, which is your electric, the event pod, the lighting, everything is you an MSRP at the highest at 17 fully loaded. I don't know, man. Campground owners, if you're watching, like, put it yeah, in the chat that, if you're yeah. crazy. But I feel like That's this weird. is cool. That's a good cash on cash at 12K. You could rent it for 165 a night. Yeah, I like it. Then you could just rent out any, like, Jeep and just put so that thing on your head. There you go. When I was talking about, you used to cold call during the, during the COVID, we would, we would call that a van life type companies and we would pitch ourselves as the, the perfect outdoor entertainment hub that you tow us behind the camper van, you got to sleep inside, but then during the day, when you're at your destination, you can set this up and have a cool little hangout uh, outside with your kids. How much yeah. amperage is it? Is it 30 or 50 amp or what? So the way we do our solar is we have three options. What's featured there. And the one that we recommend, which is the, the highest powder is a Westinghouse iGen 1000. 
it is literally just like the top of the line of a power pack and then it's solarly recharged. So if you can actually do your own solar setup in here, we have a universal mount for it on the inside for you to set a power pack. We did, we use Westinghouse. We like that one. We've tested it, tried it. It you know, lasts long, it charges quick, but it's, that's what we recommend, but that is not what we have to use at all. There's so many. We think that this trailer works very well with the outdoor gear stuff. And there's so many cool outdoor gear options going on right now. Like the stuff people are doing with these solar power packs, the stuff just even tense these days, everything is getting better and cooler and smarter. And we just wanted to make sure that it could work with our trailer. If a customer ends up being a gearhead and they just love having the newest, best, all the new domestic stuff, all the new, this, that. So everything should work and complement your experience with the trailer. I'm thinking about the reason I ask about Amperage is like the parks have karaoke night. Like you could drag this thing around and just pop it up and plug in. I could get a video of this thing set up at a campground with some cool lights going on, some cool music, anybody, but me singing, that would be great. I feel like. Garrett, get in touch with me. We're going to, I put you in touch with some campground owners. I'm not saying they, they would do it or adopt it, but I feel like this is very versatile and can be moved very easily. And obviously there's benefits to having permanent infrastructure, pavilions and things like that and gatherings and group places. But this could be moved around to do ice cream socials. This could be like, you could have pop-up like... One I don't know for every weekend. That's our tagline. And not even just renting it, but just using it as a facility for the campground. I, I don't know what the insurance looks like on it or anything like that, but I feel like it can't be that crazy. It's very minimal. <laughs> See, it's anyway. Yeah. But thank you very this much. It's been some time. Well, this is what happens. Steven, I'm sorry. We didn't get, we're, we're going to talk about you now. I promise. Like I got distracted there for a second, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's the possibilities of that are amazing. Like Doug, come on. What do you think about that? No, no, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. I was just thinking about, I'm going to see Chesney over in Salt Lake city in July and it's going to be hot as heaven. No, no, like if that was available, I would totally rent that over there next to the uh, stadium over there. Where's that concert at? I think it's downtown Salt Lake. I think you were just playing. Okay. Yeah, that's uh that's Kenny Chesney. You always get people either say, Oh, I can you take us to a Kenny Chesney concert, Jimmy Buffett. Those are the two names they always throw out. Yeah. He well Chesney just played uh, down the street in Tampa two weeks ago. And there were tons of little setups like that. The the mobile bars and people just bringing their own thing and making their own thing. It's really cool. I could see that really fitting in in a vibe like that. Yeah, we, it's well, a, like even if even, festival season's coming up, we're hoping to take it to one or two just to get some yeah. of it out and watch. That's the other thing. Like if you think outside of the box, even as a campground in order to make ancillary revenue, what if you have these available to rent for mm -hmm. people who are going to a Kenny Chesney concert or an event or they're camping at a campground and they can take this thing right to the, right, hook it up to it because it doesn't have much tow weight. I imagine a, a large or a small house. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we, we pull it with an old uh, 1984 Jeep Wrangler that barely starts in it. But once it started, it pulls the trailer just fine. I love Jeeps. I need to get a Jeep again. We're not going to get into that discussion. Steven, <laughs> let's, you're going to get me too far <laughs> off topic. Steven, let's talk about these van life things because I, I honestly and admittedly do not know as much as I should about it. And I feel like there's a lot of misconception from what I've heard within the private campground industry about people, the type of people who do it what they're looking for, whether they're using private campgrounds or boondocking. So just give us a little bit of insight into start with just van life overall. What does van life mean to you? I know I'm giving you a tough one. It's open-ended so, though. You can take any direction you want. Well, I got into it probably three years ago, so I'm pretty new with it. More of a development kind of guy myself, uh, financial. Okay. Anyways, I don't know. We've built probably five vans now with a couple friends. One of them is a custom home builder. So I've learned all the in and outs of electric systems, alternator chargers, all that, all the amenities that go with it. And anyways, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about Garrett's thing for a second there. I know we all got distracted with Garrett's thing. He's <laughs> the star of the show now. No, it's okay. Steve. Like so really what I'm trying to get at here, right? Is if I'm looking at this website and I'm unfamiliar with the van life, whether I'm somebody who wants to start in it as a consumer or whether I'm maybe a private campground owner who wants to attract more of these people who are renting from your site or purchasing or that kind of demographic. I'm trying to get a basic understanding of who these people are that are renting vans. Are they eventually purchasing them? Are they, you know, what is their path sure. in the industry forward? Yeah. So 
I think it's 85% of renters are first timers. And obviously there's two groups. It's probably the late twenties, early twenties kind of age. And then you also have your empty nesters who are downsizing and they're wanting to get back into out of their class C and class A's and back into class B's seats two thing is plenty of room. Yeah. I'd say people that are in the younger group are trying to figure out if it's right for them. It's not right for everybody for sure. Especially you don't have all your usual luxury amenities at home, depending on which van you're renting that is, but yeah, easier to drive than like a standard RV. It's more fuel efficient, which is actually becoming a bit of an issue with costs for a trip because diesel's at 550 by me, it's 650 a gallon. So that is hurting things. And you have your holdouts for buying where they're waiting for the electric uh, vans to come out, things like that. So it's got a little bit of a holding pattern for some people, but uh, yeah, it looks like you're looking at some of our favorites. Yeah, if you go to the last page there, I could show you one of the vans that we just built. Actually, I'll show you the one that I'm in right now is that one. That's what I love. Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting in that van, in this van right now here in Reno. So. Very cool. Ooh. See, I like that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do this long-term, right? For one, I'm old and my back's terrible. Uh, and I need more mobility to move around because I'm 40 now. I just turned like that earlier this year. So I feel like things are just on the way down for me. But like those kinds of little adventures appeal to me. Just the look how the doors open on the right-hand side, just letting you like totally take in nature. <laughs> um, but I think that's a, I don't know, like I, I'm really interested to talk to the campground owners and, and maybe I need to do more of a study on this and have a better, better conversation with them as to how many of these guys are ending up. Because there's obviously such a huge swing with the demographic, right? From the guy we were looking at the, scrolling through the pictures from the guy who has the Jeep, who puts the tent on top. He's probably more of a boondocking person to mm -hmm. the guy who has these fancy Mercedes like we're looking at right now. Uh, and I've seen the insides of some of those things. I think Airstream actually collaborated on, with Mercedes on a really nice one that has off the grid stuff and electricity and, and really upscale modern luxury stuff. And obviously there's builders like you who are creating these things. But I feel like if you're investing into a Mercedes type level thing, yes, you might be doing some boondocking, but you're also probably traveling extensively throughout a network of private campgrounds, whether it's a KOAs or independent parks or whatever they may be. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah definitely. It depends what stage you're at in your life. When it was just my wife and I and the dogs, yeah, sure. We can boondock. It's not always the safest or the nicest. Now we have a little girl coming and I'll probably be staying at campgrounds more often and planning my trips ahead of time and things like that. The other thing is some of these nicer vans are totally enclosed. So campground owners aren't going to hate us too much where we're dumping all over. It has a gray tank with a switch, so you can drive it to where you need to. It's just, it's just a classic RV at that point, just with a slightly more unique design on the inside. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a, a, probably an ignorant question from my perspective, right? Just cause I don't know enough about this industry, but just how do I, if I'm a consumer and I want to rent one of these things, obviously it says right there that we're looking at, it's 125 miles a day for free. So there's obviously they're, they're charging for mileage after a certain extent. And then the delivery is within 50 miles. Can I take this thing anywhere? Is there limits? Can I drive it across the country and back? How does the whole thing work? How do I find one that's nearby me? I'm actually, this is my listing. Every owner is a little different. So I happen to own the platform and some vans that I rent out on it. That's confusing, but I'll probably switch to unlimited miles for this one. A lot of the say an air, I actually have a couple of those airstreams listed here as well. Someone down in LA, I think it is. Anyways, they have a limit on the number of miles as well. And usually you'll do a tier one. So if you do a hundred miles or more a day, yeah, there's a little bit of an overage. If you have Westies, they think about renting a little bit differently because they're higher mileage. There's more maintenance costs that go into it. So they try to think about their rental revenue in terms of revenue per mile instead of per night. So it, it is a big like thing to make enough money per mile driven. We like renters that don't drive too much, but uh, yeah, you could take it anywhere though. Canada, all around the U S the only block is Mexico. You can't go to because of insurance. And then New York, if you're registered in New York state, peer to peer, isn't really allowed there just yet. So other than that, we're good to go. So you can't like, you can't rent it in New York if you own it. Yeah, if you're registered in New York, you can take it. I don't know, Connecticut or wherever you're coming from. And you can drive in, but it, yeah, you can't actually. That's not your launching point. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's the whole thing. The whole thing is really interesting to me. Just the ability for people to make extra income and things like that. But 
the, the uniqueness of it, like the things that you're talking about, you're building, uh, the ability for, we talked about Garrett's thing, but the sky is really the limit if you strip away one of these inside of these vans and just be creative, right? Yeah, Garrett's thing would be a cool add-on, I think, 165 a night is what I'd imagine it would go for. Or you can do the, we'll set you up at a campsite. So if I'm a renter, I, I just want it to be set up and done. They'd pop his system in at an actual campsite ready to go, and then you can just rent that out. You don't even have to own a campground. You just make sure you reserve it by a concierge service and set it up for them. That could be another one. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked to, we've had different conversations with people on this show before. Like I know the, the one of our regular guests is, is Kurt Opanchik from uh, National Parks Traveler. He's putting together a really good guide uh, that you guys should check out. Just focused on where to go and how to route, and where to camp around the national parks. And he's including both public and private campgrounds and things like that. An ultimate guide to the national parks. But I think this is one of the kind of fragmented areas of the industry that really needs a tighter integration. Because I'm on your, any site, I'm not just picking on your site, but if I'm on your site and I'm looking at, okay, there's a camper van rental near Yellowstone National Park. So if I rent it, where do I go camping? And this is not just a unique you problem. And I don't think it's very easily solved at all, or you would have done it already. But now that I've got this van or I'm looking at this van, yes, I want to go to Yellowstone, but then where do I take it? Uh, you know, how do I find that inventory? How do I know that where I'm parking it is safe or actually on BLM land and allowed and all those kinds of things? I think there's such a, a unique, and interesting way to to tie all this stuff together that hasn't really been done well yet. And I don't know. Go ahead. It's tough because federal, like they don't, so recreation.gov exists. That was built by a private company. I actually interned with them. It was Alan Hamilton when I first out of college a million years ago. But they built recreation.gov in partnership with the federal uh, government and they are private for profit. They take transaction fees on those bookings, but I really feel like that escalated demand insanely. They have a really good UI, but uh, anyways, I do feel like if it were to become an open system where I can book state and federal through a private company and it was easier access that I'd be able to build it. But right now, even hip camp, they don't, you can't book campgrounds on hip camp for state. Yeah. And it's a, they need to open their system up, make it more accessible to private companies. That's, that's one thing that I'd build it if it was, but it's closed off right now. So, yeah. Well, even not unnecessarily, cause I'm familiar with that a little bit too, the integrations and the fragmentations, reservation systems, and everybody uses, everybody uses some different things like that from private to public to whatever. But even if there's just a way where you could surface recommendations for these are highly rated campgrounds in the area. Even if you just pull it from Google reviews or something and display the top five or 10 campgrounds through an API that are highly rated near east side of Yellowstone, west side of Yellowstone, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's some... all the places on GitHub. That's what, uh, that's what you need to use. <laughs> that has all your data. So it exists. It's actually a pretty good unlock. Yeah. So I don't know. HipCamp does it pretty well. That's my, I keep going back to them and they're pretty big. I like how they've set everything up. Well, so the problem with hip camp though, is like you just said, it doesn't cover private campgrounds for the most part. And so I think there are benefits to having, not that private campgrounds are the be all end all there, again, there's use cases for everything else, but I, I think there's a, a, I think there definitely needs to be a solution to drive people to whatever you're looking for. If that's private, if that's public, if that's boondocking, if that's whatever it is, glamping, whatever it may be, not in the case of RV rentals, obviously in camper vans, but it's just interesting to me because I think that the ultimate solution, like the person who's really going to succeed here and be a kind of a king and whether that's, I'm not suggesting that's done through an RV rental marketplace, but somebody who can tie all this information together and provide the convenience that consumers want, because that's ultimately what they want to want. They don't want to call on the phone. They don't want to ask questions. They just want to book it. But if they have to go look at rental vans here and then research Yellowstone and then research where they want to go in Yellowstone and then research what campground, it's a long process. I know I just came back from Niagara Falls and did that. And it took me like two or three days. And admittedly, I like curating my experiences more than other people, but it took me a lot of different websites to get to, even in staying at hotels like I was doing. So I don't know. I think it's an interesting time. I think a lot of things are going to change. I think voice is going to be, voice search is going to be an interesting player for everybody in the future. But I don't know. I'm interested to see where this goes and where this evolves. But I think we're more fragmented than the hotel industry. I think there's a lot of opportunity for all of us here. Yeah, I'm definitely, we're still a startup and we're just finishing up our rental side of things, which was a, was a huge task <laughs> to get even this far. I think our biggest play next is going to be on the van builder marketplace, then into the buy, sell, get that all integrated. 
on the content side, itineraries and campgrounds, like where to camp is a huge market and definitely has a lot of untapped, you know, potential. There's already players in there though. Like I've already named off a few. So other than recruiting well, traffic over. Maybe the reverse is, maybe it's the reverse that maybe you go to something like the dirt and say, here are my listings, integrate mm. my things with you. Yeah. Is that more feasible? If the dirt's watching, I'm interested. So we had the CEO of the dirt on before, but just as an example, I think there's benefit, there's mutual benefits to all of us working together. So it interests me to see where this continues to evolve. Doug, like what goes through your mind as a consumer when you're trying to book? Because it's been a long time since I've actually booked a personal camping trip. But what are some of the things that, how difficult is it for you right now to, like you're taking a trip to Montana here, right? Yeah. At the end of August. Yes. Yeah, I guess you, you have to do it. Obviously, we booked our spot like eight months ago because it's impossible to find anything at Yellowstone or Lacer and all that. With, but yeah, it's, are, are you asking me, Brian, what am I seeing as far as, you know, what I'm going at looking for a trip and like the resources I'm using and everything? What are the pain points for you? So we're talking about ways that the industry can integrate better together. So when you're looking to research both a destination and where to camp and how to do it and whether to rent an RV or haul your existing one up there or whatever, what are some pain points that you see that might be able to be solved and, and make it easier on the consumer in the future? Yeah. Like we were just talking about having like a reference guide, like your buddy's building, you were saying, or a book. But like we, we wanted to do some like BLM at Escalante and it was just like, we couldn't figure out someone who's new to it like us, we couldn't figure out what the heck we were doing. And I don't know, it feels like there needs to be like a portal that shows, like it shows everything that an amateur, someone like me, who's been doing it for a year and a half, I still don't know how to get like a permit for going on to the BML land or whatever, BLM land. Um, I always used to hear it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I don't right. know if that works with the federal government. I wouldn't try it. I'm not advocating for it, but. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of education. I guess a lot of knowledge base needs to be built for someone who is just getting into it because I can tell you, I just got into it. I've been cruising since for once or twice a year, since I was like nine years old and like pandemic hit and I couldn't get on a cruise ship. So I bought a camper because I wanted to see like the U.S. I had no clue what the heck I was doing. And so I was just like YouTube, whatever, all these sites trying to figure out what to do. But if there was like a guidebook, a, a website, a portal that showed everything, like a one-on-one type thing, that would be totally awesome. There is like a disconnect there. And even with my buddy, when he rented from, Air, from RV Share earlier this summer, he didn't know what campground to use as well. It was somewhere in Washington state in the Northwest. And so they were like trying to go in on different sites, trying to find the, the sites and things like that. And I don't know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of disconnection. I think the curation is an interesting aspect of it. Steven, is there an opportunity, even if you can't integrate with people, is there an opportunity to curate experiences and packages and say, here you're, we know you, we, somebody on our site is listing this rental near Yellowstone National Park. So we're going to create a partnership with them as we already have. We're going to list the rental on our website and then we're going to say either rent it by yourself or upgrade to this package that includes two nights or four nights at this park that we've vetted and we know is clean and we know you have a good experience and we know you can get in exactly. the states or whatever. Well, there's a free way to do it, which is what we're working on. Common places, the best places to stay. It doesn't guarantee that it's available. So it has, a, you know, holes in it, but it'll point you in the right direction. There's also owners that are doing more premium add-ons, like uh, one owner, their Go Romeo, I think it is. They charge a fee for this, but they'll actually act as your concierge for your trip, which takes a lot of the stress away, especially most people are new first timers. You get in this van and then you're like, oh crap, now what, what do I do? <laughs> so you'll have, you know, where to go here on day one, do these things if you want, go here on day two. It's, it's a little bit more expensive, but it'll take some of that stress away for your trip. You're supposed to de-stress you. So there's always that, but yeah, that doesn't really solve the big problem of integrating with campgrounds, all of them in one place as an aggregator, all the BLM land, which is like what kind of what the dirt does now when they do it well. Um, and then boondocking is tough because technically it's not always legal. So those places can't really be advertised and they change. So it's like. You kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> I'm not sure where it's Oh, going. that's what we're all doing, right? Like we're just speculating. That's part of what I enjoy about the conversations between all of you. We talk about your products, we talk about your services, all those kinds of things. Who knows where the conversation is going to go? But I think this is part of the way that we further the industry and bring it forward and help all of our businesses respectively in the industry as a whole, right? Is just to 
shoot the shit. I don't know. I don't know if I can say shit if I'm NBC or censored on here or whatever. But anyway, you understand. Uh, like the, I think the more conversations we have with each other, Garrett connects with Stephen, connects with Brian, Doug, the consumer, connects with all of you guys. The more ideas we come together, the more innovations come. From. You know what? I was just thinking. Um, sorry to jump in here, but like some of the cruise line booking engines, like the big um, online sellers, they have a thing called Cruise Genie. And you basically say, how many people are going on your vacation? Are you an active traveler? Are you more of a sightseeing? Are there mobility issues? And it curates a list for you of what cruise line or cruise ship or even itinerary is best for you. I have no clue how it all works behind the scenes, but data. it's really popular like on cruiseline.com. It's all data, right? And that's the biggest problem is this fragmentation, right? And so some companies are providing API access, some companies aren't. Some things are being scraped from other places and stolen from here and borrowed from there, and then it changes. And, and so that's, I think, the big issue is the gathering of data and whether it's shareable, copyrighted, able to be accessed natively. Like there's so many, it's tough. It's a lot of work. But the more data you can, that's how it works, Doug, is Cruise Genie, is they're, they're figuring out like what are the best benefits and the amenities and what do these ships have? And then they're taking and plugging it into a database and basically filtering it. Yeah, I, I, again, there are sites out there that do that really well, but I don't know. Garrett, even from your perspective, like you, we need some tutorials for your trailer. Like here's cool things that Doug did with his new eVenture trailer that he, you should go do this. And this is how you set it up and how, ideas. I think the more it's smart people's imagination. So more relaxed. No, yeah, that is but like definitely uh, we need to on. But we are actually, I believe tomorrow we're going to be shooting some videos. And then, like I said, we got the new website uh, this week, weekend, which should uh, show the trailer in use and all the cool stuff you can do with this. Yeah, just because you talking about it in the beginning, and I know we're pivoting back to you real quick here, but you talking about it, I didn't have a complete pick, and admittedly, I should have done some of my research, so that's my fault for being on vacation for a week and not researching you guys like I should have asked better questions, so I apologize for that kind of disjointed aspect from my end to the show, but um, like until I saw it, until I put, wow, like there's a whole gazebo thing on the back end of this thing with a couch and a TV, and I can cook in it, and it just you see those kind of little things that people are telling and you don't imagine the possibilities. And I think if you can spark imagination and curiosity, then so many more people will be willing to try it. I appreciate that. And I think you hit them in the head there. Just got to show them what all I can do. Yeah. All right. So we got a couple minutes left. Gentlemen, what else are you excited about for the outdoor hospitality industry? What are you, what are you guys looking forward to for your companies or things like that in 2022, 2023 beyond? Feel free to jump in whoever wants to start. We've been waiting for a renter side launch for 18 months now of development. A pretty, you know, decent sized team. So I am very ready to get this going. We have just over a thousand listings currently, either in queue or currently live on the site, which I'm really proud of. So yeah, we're renter side done. Let's build the van builder marketplace next and then work on some fun features for the renters. I guess that's what we're doing this summer. Yeah. Awesome. Garrett, what's next for you? We are, we are still a young company. We did just debut this a month or so ago. So we're looking to expand our dealer base and to get it into new territories, looking to, uh, you know, get it into people's hands and see how people are using it. Right now we're just kind of trying to get it out there. Hope people like it. Is there something that competes with you really closely, Garrett? Or is, is this really, obviously there's lots of toe behinds, but other. Uh, I always look. I'm not asking so you to. Players. I'm not asking you to name your competitors. I'm sorry. I'm just asking in general. No, no we're all we're, we are our own thing. I so that we really don't have have competitors because nobody really has attempted to be as high as we are. And I I think we stand pretty confident even against our competitors in terms of quality, price, and then functionality and versatility. So we're a matter of getting it out there, which is always never fun, but always. Scary. Always a challenge. Yeah. Steven, I'm curious. I forgot one thing about you. You build camper vans or you just, is that something you do for a business or you just do as a hobby? Oh, that's more just as a hobby. I sell them off a couple of years. I don't build them personally. I fund them <laughs> and I get to design the layouts like this one or the one you showed earlier on the show kind of thing. That's an example of what we've done. But, Do you think it would be feasible for a campground owner who wanted to offer a unique rental on their property? to contact 
your company or one of your builders or something like that and say, I want 15 or 20 of these units to look like this. Here's a design, let's work together, let's make something unique, and then let's park them at my campground and rent them. Yeah, these campers aren't cheap. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. But I don't, you know, well, no, but neither are um, 160. So a campground owner would go, how much is the cash on cash? Like how much could I rent it for being stationary? It's really, it could work out. You probably want to go with more of a Garrett kind of thing because eVenture, because the how much it costs setting up lamping sites, honestly, or go with more of some of the base builds, like a ProMaster kind of thing and do it that way. Uh, we're personally, we're just doing like four by four sprinters and like that sort of thing. So the higher end of it, but that's, it has nothing to do with like vacation specifically. It's really just. Oh, I know. I'm just speculating and asking. It just interests yeah. me. Okay, guys, we've got a couple minutes left, uh, but really appreciate you guys joining us for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Uh, it's really interesting to learn about. I think we're going to try in the future to uncover some of the new companies, the new players, the new innovations things that are coming into the industry. There's there's a lot of amazing people who have been in this industry for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and we always want to hear from them. But it's really fascinating to me to uncover things like Garrett's building and things like Steven's building with his new marketplace. And Doug, you're just going to go camping. So I don't yeah. know what really value you bring to the show, but we're happy to have you here. Not much. Anyway. For that matter, I don't know what I value I bring to the show. You guys are all talking about all the amazing things anyway, and I don't even do my research. But really appreciate your taking your time here, Stephen. Vancation.com. If you guys have a camper mm-hmm. van or maybe you're interested in creating a partnership with Stephen or something like that, they can reach out to you, Stephen, for all kinds of different things. And maybe there's a, an opportunity for private camper to partner with you in the future. Garrett, eventurelife.com. Yes, eventurelife.com. Check out Garrett's trailer and for all the campground owners too. Like maybe this is something you can reach out to Garrett and propose some unique ideas to as well. Uh, send me an email afterwards, Garrett. We'll see if we can maybe get some campground owners interested in just seeing what they can do with it or some possibilities and stuff. Doug might go camping with one. I don't Doug know. How, how often do you go camping, Doug? Is it just the one time this year? I was in Escalante, Utah last month for a week. So I'll go probably like every other month maybe I go out. You would go more though, if you had a really cool barbecue, like margarita type party rig. If I had something that didn't eight miles, seven miles to the gallon when I'm pulling it. Yeah, I probably would. See, there you go. That's all <laughs> you need. miles at $8 a gallon gets, or eight, uh, eight miles a gallon gets pricey. Just write Garrett yeah. a check. He'll give you one then <laughs> and go camping. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it again. Um, this was awesome. Thank you all. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, for those guys who didn't catch the show or didn't watch it live, you'll see the pre- previous episodes on mcfiresidejets.com. We are a full podcast as well. Uh, that's on Google, Apple, Spotify, all those kinds of places. So you can listen later if you missed it. So check out Steven, uh, vancation.com. Check out Garrett, eventurelife.com. Check out Doug at currentcamper.com. And we will see you next week for our campground owner focus show. Got a lot of interesting discussion happen. So thank you guys. Really appreciate you joining us. Yep. See you later. See you. See you guys. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com. 